church, welcome to real life. Would you please come to your feet as we enter a time of praise and worship? Before we do so, would you turn around and say hi to a neighbor, a new face, a familiar face? Still got people making their way in. Come on in, find a seat. Colossians 1.13 says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Father, thank you so much for giving us this place to gather here together. Father, we pray that as we gather here to seek you and to learn more about you, that our hearts would be open doors for your Holy Spirit to move. And Father, as we praise you, as we praise your Son, that we could do so with our whole hearts in confession of your Son's righteous glory and confession of your grace and your goodness. Father, we love you and we praise you with all we have. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Come set your rule and reign. In our hearts again, increase in us we pray, unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us we seek your kingdom first we hunger and we thirst refuse to waste our lives for your joy and pride to see the captive heart released the hurt the sick the poor at peace we lay down our
We praise you. We praise your goodness. You are good, God. You are the greatest. You are the one and only, the omnipotent. We love you. In your son's name, amen. You may be seated. Everybody, welcome. My name is Joe, I'm the associate minister here at Real Life, and I'm so glad you're here. Man, uh, I just want to celebrate this past week. Uh, Jenny took up all the Life for Kids up to kids camp, and they had an amazing, amazing time, and she survived, and her team survived. Praise God, right? And uh, Super cool. I got to have a conversation with a, a student uh, came up and uh, let me know that he's ready to get baptized uh, coming home from camp. So we're super stoked about that. God moving in our kids' hearts. Uh, pretty amazing. And uh, we want you to know we exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And our focus is to create biblical disciples in relational environments. That's what we're about here at Real Life. And uh, we're glad that you're here. And if you're ready to take a next step, um, there's lots of ways that... Uh, uh, lots of next steps to take. Uh, maybe you're a guest here and uh, you're you're interested in letting us know who you are and that you're and how you found us. And uh, uh, we want to walk alongside you. We want to get to know you. Want to meet you, hear your story. And and so if that's you, uh, we want you to get connected with us. Maybe your next step is baptism, and you're ready to to take that next step in your in your walk with Jesus. Maybe uh, it's uh, to get connected to, into a real relation or a real relationship into one of our groups. Uh, and if you want to take a next step, we want to encourage you to fill out the form on the back of the bulletin that you might have grabbed in, uh, on your way in. You can tear that form off, turn it in at the back. Also, uh, you can scan that QR code that's right in front of your chair uh, with your phone. Take out your phone, scan that code. It'll take you to this website that you see up on the screen. And uh, those have the, all the different ways that you can take a next step here at Real Life. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And if you're a guest here, good morning, welcome. We are glad, glad to have you. And uh, I want to share with you a couple things. Uh, first thing is this. We have our river baptisms coming up August 6th. And so we do this every year. Uh, and this year we're going to have a picnic barbecue uh, together and uh, so we have details coming out about that uh, but if you're interested in uh, participating in river baptisms uh, you want to take that next step again take out your phone scan that qr code uh, fill out that form let us know that you're interested we'll get in touch with you talk to you more about that we just want to put that on your radar now you'll hear more about that as it gets closer but august 6th we're doing river baptisms now, we just talked about Lifer Kids coming back from camp, and now our youth ministry is about to take off for camp. And so uh, I get the pleasure of taking up middle schoolers today. Uh, then on Wednesday, I bring them back, I kick them out, and then I load up high schoolers, and I take the high schoolers back up there and come back on Saturday. And every time people talk to me, they say, they say, Joe, are you ready for this? I say, look, they're not ready for me. Like, I get superhuman energy at camps, and, uh, and I make them tired. So I'm super excited about this. But what we want to do now, uh, we have a few students. Uh, that are here today uh, uh, that uh, are going to camp, high school and middle school. And so if you're a student going to camp with us here this week, we want to pray with you. So come on up. Come on up. Yep, yep, yep. There's a few of you around. 
Um, there we go, there we go. Um, not all of them could make it here today. And uh, a leader, if you're a leader going to camp with me, you're one of my leaders. See, they're smart. They're like, we're sleeping in? They're getting all this. They can't, where are my leaders at? Jane, there you are. The best leader of them all. Jane, come on up. That's right. All right. We, uh, we are excited. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to get after my leaders. I cannot believe they're not here right now. All right. We're going to pray, and, uh, um, and I just want to invite you to pray. Pray with us. Uh, stretch out your hand and, uh, and just uh, pray with me as we, as we ask a blessing on this coming week. Father, we uh, thank you, God, for opportunities like this where we can leave um, things that happen in, in our homes and in our lives and go up to the mountain and spend time with you. We're going to have fun. Uh, we're going to laugh a lot. Um, we're going to make new friendships and build uh, lasting relationships. God, through all of that, Lord, we, we ask God that you open up hearts and minds to prepare these students for what you have planned for them in advance. God, I know that you're going to meet them there in a powerful way. And so we just ask God right now that, uh, Lord, you'd move mightily in these students' lives. God, we ask for safety as we, as we travel, as we play games and have fun. Uh, God, we ask that, uh, Lord, this would be a great experience for these students. And we pray a blessing on this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give it up one more time for our students and for our fearless leader, Mr. Justin Jordan. Come on up. Give it up for Justin. You guys can be seated. Thanks, Joe. Uh, we've got one other announcement that's um, a great announcement and a good announcement. We want to invite Jenny and Joel up to the stage. Uh, if you don't know, Jenny has been on full staff for uh, on full time staff for us for seven years, and before that, she was a part time uh, staff member serving in children's ministry. And Joel, her husband, is an elder here at Real Life. And one of the things that we do proactively here at Real Life Ministries is when our full time staff get to a place of service for seven years, we send them on a sabbatical. And we send them on a sabbatical, yes, it's a good thing, uh, to let them refresh, recharge, rest, because here's the reality, ministry is difficult. 9% uh, of pastors or ministers actually retire as a pastor or minister, and uh, rest and renewal and Sabbath and recharging is really important in order for the sustained health of, of pastors and ministers. And so uh, we intentionally, about seven years, sat down as an eldership and said, how do we intentionally invest in our staff? And one of the ways that we're gonna do that is we're gonna send them on sabbatical. And it's amazing to me, as we made this announcement first hour, we had people come out uh, in between hours and they said, you know what? We've been in church our whole life. We've never experienced that. We've never seen that that you would intentionally send your staff out on a break. And we're doing this to, to invest in Jenny and Joel to let them recharge and allow them to, to get ready for the next season of ministry here at Real Life Ministries. And so we wanna pray for them this morning. But we also, I, I say this um, jokingly and seriously, over the next four weeks, as they get back at the end of July, between now and then, would you leave them alone? Um, I'm sure they would potentially, you know, uh, love to hear something in the sense of like just how maybe you're doing, but for the most part, just let them be. 
Uh, they're gonna be traveling. They're gonna be spending time here. But them disconnecting is really important for them. And guess what? It's really important for our church because there's gonna be a lot of staff and leaders that are stepping up and volunteers stepping up in significant ways. And guess what? We've got it. We've got it. And so allowing them to disconnect is really important. So let them be. Here's what we're gonna ask. Pray for them. Pray for Jenny, Joel, pray for their marriage, pray for their kids. Pray that they would just rest well because here's what I know. God's gonna speak to them in a powerful way and they're gonna come back ready to serve the Lord in a greater capacity than what he's already entrusted to them. So I wanna pray for them. I wanna invite you to pray for them with me as well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for Jenny and Joel. God, in just how much they love you and love your church and how much they have served here at Life Ministries in so many different ways. And God, I am really excited and blessed to be able to send them out, that we would send them out to rest and recharge with you, God. I pray this would be an amazing time as you speak to them in profound ways about who you are and about what you're inviting them into as they come back from sabbatical, God. Pray they create memories and have significant conversation and that they be reminded over and over again that as they rest, their rest comes from you. And so help them to rest well in you. Help them to hear from you. And God, I pray that we would honor them and let them disconnect in a significant way. And God, that uh, they would love you and love each other well, God. And as we send them out, God, that they would be reminded with all the fear and different things of maybe what's going on here that they would know we've got it. You've got it. So God, I pray for them. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our staff. I pray for our volunteers that are stepping up to fill the gap while they're gone. God, that you would grow them and mature them in significant ways as well. That we would learn and we'd mature more into your church that you've called us to be, God. So Lord, we thank you to be able to send them out, God, and we ask them they would rest well with you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right.
lead us in places that we're not comfortable. Build our trust in you. When we're scared to sink in, Father, keep our eyes on you. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Still, 
Good to be back uh, preaching the word this morning as we continue our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount with the Summer on the Mount uh, series this summer. And uh, it's been a great journey so far and excited as we start getting to 
the heart and meat of this sermon that Jesus preached um, with, over his disciples and with his disciples, either one sermon. Some people believe that it's actually multiple sermons that Matthew put together that Jesus preached multiple times. Uh, lots of conversation, debate about that. But the first week we talked about Matthew chapter 5 and the reality of this section called the Beatitudes, which is essentially um, the vision of what Jesus is actually trying to communicate to his followers that in order to be a part of his kingdom, uh, he values things differently than the rest of the world. And so if you want to be blessed, Jesus says that if you are in certain situations and circumstances or a process of following Jesus, that you're blessed. That if you're poor in spirit, you're blessed. When in a, in a society that didn't really value that or understand that, Jesus is actually communicating a very different message to his hearers. And like we talked about two weeks ago, it would have been like a sonic boom to their minds and their hearts that God sees them, hears them, and that if you want to be a part of Jesus' kingdom, it's different than the world. It's upside down. And so we talked about that week one. Week two, Joe talked about last week about the reality of salt and light, that when we live according to what Jesus has for us, we become like salt and light, which is actually a message of value, that Jesus values you, and that he actually calls you to then live out the, the, the love and value that he places over you. He calls you to live differently than the rest of the world and offering service and good deeds to others. And when we do that, we actually are like salt and light to a world. And I just want to share one um, celebration story with you about three weeks ago in regards to the salt and light perspective. Three weeks ago, Joe sent out an email to the whole church in regards to two houses that are in the midst of getting disciplinary action with code enforcement in the city of Meridian. And the reason why we get that information is because we have a great relationship with the city. We meet with the mayor at least once a year to talk about what's going on in our city. We ask questions like, how can we be a blessing? How can we actually serve our community? Uh, code enforcement knows us, that we are the church, that when someone isn't uh, keeping up with their... Um, maintenance around the house to reach out to us before they actually give them a citation. And so Joe sent out an email, and uh, within a couple days, we had someone say, I'll take care of it. And so that person went and spent literally all day serving two houses. One of them that we know for a fact of is an elderly uh, person that has dementia. For whatever reason, whether they don't have family here or whatever, are being served and blessed by someone in our church this is what it looks like to be salt and light in our community. And so for us as a church, we're always going to ask the question, what can we do to bless our community? Because the reality is, is the church is not a place where we just gather on Sunday. We are the church mobilized into our community. Amen, church. That's what we will always do here as a church is ask the question, what does it look like where Jesus and real life meet? And are we living that way? And are we, are we really walking out how Jesus called us to walk out? But here's the question that I want to ask you this morning is when you know that you're supposed to do something and you choose not to do that thing, when you fall short of what Jesus is asking you to do, what do we do with that? And I can tell you right now, I fall short all the time, even when I'm not even trying to fall short or intentionally being selfish, I actually fall short. For example, when I eat the last drumstick out of the freezer that I didn't know was the last drumstick in the freezer, and my kids let me know about it, like, I fell short, right? I, like, I, I didn't give the last drumstick. I just saw it, like, down in the corner, buried underneath all the other frozen stuff. I didn't know anybody else knew about it. My kids always know where the last drumstick is. Have you noticed that? Right? Um, 
So I selfishly am selfish whether I even realize it or not. I know the jump stick isn't a great example, but I'm selfish and I don't even realize I'm selfish. But there are other times when I'm like, I'm just, I'm selfish. Like I, I'm taking that drumstick. I worked hard for that drumstick and I'm not thinking about it anybody else, right? What do we do with that? What do we do when Jesus says, I want you to be salt and light. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't wanna do that and I'm not gonna do that. Like, what do we do with that? And the greater question I would ask is, what does God do with us when we act like that? What does God do with us? And really, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is laying down, this is what it's like to be my people. This is what it's like to be a part of my kingdom. And when you behave this way, you're like salt and light. But what if I choose not to? Jesus continues on the conversation in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. And I just want to stop really quick because for some of you, you've just started opening up the Bible. You just started asking questions about Jesus. You're new to the church thing and you might be saying, what is the law and the prophets? That's a great question. The law and the prophets is a phrase that Jesus used and is used throughout the Bible to talk about really the Old Testament, to really talk about the Hebrew Bible, to talk about Torah and all the other writings. What is Torah and all other writings? The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Jesus is saying, I have come to fulfill the Old Testament. That's the big question, a big debate about what do we do with the Old Testament? And there's lots of different conversation about that topic in regards to the Christian world and in the Bible. And we're not gonna be able to dive into all that this morning, but we are gonna dive into this. Jesus says, I have not come to abolish it. I have not come to abolish them, but to, he says, but to, what's he say? But to fulfill them to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying? Because there's a lot here. Jesus says right away, verse 17, I have come, uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Lots of different ways we can go down this path, but here's what I want you to understand is that Jesus does something amazing for us and for his children. Matthew writes and is describing uh, Jesus' life and the things that he did. But what we need to understand in regards to what Jesus did is he did something pretty amazing. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. How did he do that? Look at Matthew as Matthew's progressing through chapters. Matthew chapter 2, it talks about how Jesus is actually in the midst of him being burnt, born. And Bethlehem actually has to leave Bethlehem in order to survive. And they go to Egypt, which is interesting because Israel, God's chosen people, what God says as his children, God's children, Israel, if God looks at Israel and says they are my children, then that makes God the father. 
They also were sent to Egypt. Jesus was sent to Egypt. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is raised up and is eventually baptized in the Jordan River. And Israel, after coming out of Israel, is, escapes Israel and goes through the famous scene with Charlton Heston. You guys know the scene as they're escaping. What are they escaping? And they go through the what? The, the Red Sea, right? This is a, a descriptor. The rabbis talk about this is Israel's baptism where God begins to work his plan out to redeem and to restore and to eventually get them to the promised land. But before he does that, he sends them out into the desert. And how do they do in the desert? Not good. Well, guess what? After Jesus' baptism, he goes out into the... And how does Jesus do in the desert? Does really well. What's happening here? Matthew's writing and showing how Jesus... In the midst of living the life that he lived, he's living a perfect life. He goes to the mountain to give out his, his law or his teaching. Isn't it interesting that after Israel goes into the wilderness, that God then gives his law, his teaching from Mount Sinai? What is this a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus. That Jesus came to not only teach the way, but to show the way. What does that mean? It means this. All the way how Israel failed Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't what does it mean that I came to fulfill the law Jesus came to teach the way and to show the way next slide next one that one I came to fulfill the law what is that everywhere where my children have not fulfilled and done what I've asked them to do, I will come and do it for them, which has huge implications of what God's like when you think about that. God is God. How do you see God? There's lots of different ways we could see God, but here's the thing that Jesus is actually showing us. He's saying, I've actually come to not only teach you, but to show you. as a father does to a child. To teach them, to show them. What is God like? He's like a father to a son or daughter. Jesus is like a father to a son or daughter that teaches and shows the way. Have you ever noticed as you're raising kids, there's times when you can tell them and tell them and tell them but they just don't get it because they've actually never done it. And it requires you to not just teach them, but to show them, which should cause some reflection in your life. I realized, I don't know, a couple of years ago, that I was trying to teach my kids how to unload and load the dishwasher. Do you know there's a right way and a wrong way to load a dishwasher? You know how I know? Because I got married. <laughs> I was like, it's full. My wife's like, no, it ain't. There's 20 dishes in the sink. It ain't going to fit in there. Oh, yeah, it will. We got to unload the whole thing and we got to reload it. Tetris, whole new level with the dishwasher, right? 
So here's the thing. Uh, I try to emulate or multiply that with my children because here's the reality. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in the home, right? So there's got to be a right way to load the dishwasher and a wrong way to load the dishwasher. And I do my best. But it requires me to, I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to show you. And that's how God interacts with us. That's what Jesus is saying in the sense of like, I taught them, and Jesus comes and says, now I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. And Jesus does that for two reasons. First one is because God models for us what it is he wants us to do through Jesus. And here's the second reason, to redeem us. To redeem us. Because the reality of it is, I don't always do what I know I'm supposed to do, what Jesus is inviting me into, into trusting, because I have a heart that often walks away from the things that God wants for me. And so Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to show you, and I'm also going to redeem you. Which means that I have this amazing opportunity. Jesus has this amazing opportunity where he invites us to not just be spectators, not just be consumers. He's actually inviting us into the things that he's involved with here on earth. And he models that for us. And he invites us into that. And then when we choose otherwise, he says, I'm going to redeem that. Because he did it perfectly. He walked this world perfectly for you and me. So that when I fail, I'm not defined by my failure. I'm not defined by my sin. I'm not defined by my ineptness. I'm not defined by my production. I'm defined by the life saving blood of Jesus on the cross so that when I fail, I can be convicted of my sin, but I can stand back up and say, I'm going to keep on walking. Because Jesus believes in me in spite of the fact that I don't always believe and trust him. And I don't know about you, that's good news. That's good news. That there is a God who loves me and shows me the way and redeems me even in the midst of my failure and my sin. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill it to show you the way. To teach you, but to show you the way. Here's the thing. The only way it works, though, is if we're actually willing to admit that he's the perfect king. When we admit that he's the perfect king, when we walk in humility, that he's the perfect king and I'm not, that, I, that I'm made full of potential, the Bible says, by the way, that you have been knitted together in your mother's womb and that you're full of potential, fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you choose to listen to the enemy and to walk out in rebellion of what God wants, Jesus says, I will teach you and I will show you and I will redeem you. It only works if we're willing to walk in that humility and that reality. 
And if we're willing to do that and recognizing that we've been redeemed by Jesus and that he teaches me and he models to me what it is that he wants me to do, then he gives a huge call to action. Matthew writes the therefore, right? The therefore, verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. What? 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 Wait a second. They're teaching a command. They're going to be the least in the kingdom? Well, why? Look what he says. But whoever, what's the next word? Whoever, oh, whoever practices. And if you guys are my age, a little bit older, you hear Alan Iverson in your head right now. Practice? Talking about practice? Yes, Alan Iverson, practice. Jesus wants you to practice. Practice what? Practice and teaches, teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying? At that time, Jesus is calling out the Pharisees, a sect of Judaism, and the teachers of the law, the teachers of Judaism. He's calling them out because he's saying this, you are teaching my word, teaching my law, but you aren't practicing it. You're not practicing it. You're teaching, but you're not showing and so it's this amazing call that Jesus is actually inviting his followers to this, is I'm inviting you to not only talk the talk, I'm inviting you to actually walk the walk. Have you guys heard that phrase before? I heard it when I was 11 years old from my Optimus football coach. First time I ever heard it. And the reason why is because I was a part of Meridian Blue and we had a rivalry against Meridian White and I went to the school with a lot of Meridian White football players and they just talk smack, talk smack because we were the two only undefeated teams going into the, into the championship game. And we were telling coach, coach, man, they're talking smack. And he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, we're talking back. And he's like, you will stop right now. And he goes, we don't do our talking with our words in our mouth. We do our talking with our Nobody knows what that? Shoulder pads, thank you, whoever that was, thank you. <laughs> Only football player besides me, all right, cool. All the ladies are like, I don't know what the heck he's talking about up there. <laughs> we do our talking with our pads. We're like, yeah! Guess what? We beat them two years in a row in the bull championship, <laughs> right? <laughs> they just talk, 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 and then who got first place now? But that stuck with me. He said, we're not just going to talk to talk. We got to walk to walk. You need to do your talking with your pads. And that's a little bit what Jesus is saying here. It's just like, listen, you can teach all you want, but if it doesn't come out of a life of modeling the truth that I'm telling you, if you're not showing the world and practicing what I'm telling you, it's for nothing. You're not salt and light. You're not salt and light the greatest are those who are willing to teach and to walk it out, which I said earlier, should cause us to reflect a lot, to ask the question, the things that I'm teaching my spouse, the things that I'm 
processing with my spouse about the things that I believe and that are true? Am I actually doing those things? With our kids. Like the phrase that like, do what I say, not what I... Like in those moments where, where we've said that, where I've said that, like we've got to go, you know what? I need you to do what I'm asking you to do, even though I don't do it, and I'm asking for your forgiveness because I haven't shown you. But we still got to do the right thing, and I got to do better. I got to repent and ask for forgiveness from the Lord and from you because you are my kids, and I need to teach you and show you. And even when you recognize that, you have the amazing amazing God who says just come to me own it and walk differently you've learned I've redeemed you I've redeemed that this is what Jesus is inviting us into in following him and being a part of his kingdom are you willing to only talk to talk but also walk to walk in every aspect of your life even in the difficult things or maybe the not so difficult things what example do you mean, Pastor? Like forgiveness. Is forgiveness a thing in your home where you extend forgiveness to the other person? Well, no. Well, why? Because it's hard. I, yeah, it is hard. You want to know why? Because you have to absorb the cost. And that hurts and is hard. And Jesus says that if you don't forgive 70 times 7, I'm not going to forgive you. And some of you are saying, well, am I supposed to just forget everything? No, no, forgiveness doesn't mean that you, you don't have good boundaries. Forgiveness doesn't mean you just go, well, I'll just continue to allow dysfunctional behavior to take place. No, that's not what that means. It's a condition of your heart of how you view that other person. And are you fighting for relationship, for reconciliation, for functional behavior, not dysfunctional behavior? Or do you wish ill towards that person? What about asking for forgiveness? That's easy. No, it's not. That's really hard. Because it requires you to recognize I was wrong and I've got to ask for forgiveness. And the reality is, deep down, we don't want to ask that question, will you please forgive me? Because at the end of the day, we understand we actually don't deserve it. So how can I ask of something that I know I don't deserve? And the enemy gets in, instead of believing the truth, that Jesus says, I will forgive you. And yes, you don't deserve it, but I choose to forgive you because I am a God of mercy and a God of love. What do I do when I don't walk the walk like I should? I come back to Jesus who's come to redeem me and show me the way over and over and over again. How do we do this? How do we live this way? We say this a lot at Real Life Ministries. We come back to it all the time. This is how we do it. How do we walk the way that Jesus called us to walk? First of all, you need the word of God because you need your mind and your heart transformed to the things of God because you've either been taught something different or you've experienced pain that has thrust you into a different 
worldview of what God wants for you, all sorts of different reasons. The, the reality is truth in the worldview, the way we view ourselves, the way we view God, and the way we view our, our, our friends and our community, it has to be transformed and renewed, Romans chapter 12, renewed by the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. So every morning or every evening, chasing after the word of God is a pursuit of chasing after God and the things that he has for me and for you. And secondly, we need the people of God around us. We need people that we're gonna actually journey with and discover the realities that God has for us because God speaks through his word. He speaks through his people. And the, the real reality of it is, is you can't do it apart from yourself. Well, I'm closest to Jesus up on the mountain. Hey, I get that because I'm an elk hunter. I love waking up and seeing the glory of God's creation as it speaks to me on the mountaintop in isolation, solitude. Jesus went to the mountain all the time. And not only that, he also took naps up on the mountain too. So if you take naps, don't let anybody shame you about taking naps, okay? But here's the deal. He doesn't define his church by a mountain. He defines it by his people. In relationship. So you gotta be a part of his church, his people. How much I would like to go up on the mountain and just be with Jesus all the time because life gets really simple. Just me and Jesus. But the people, God's people, are in the city. And I need God's people. And guess what? The city needs the gospel. So if you aren't connected in real relationship, if you aren't in a home group, in a small group, you are not experiencing the full reality of what Jesus has for you in his church. He's inviting you into something deeper. His church. His family. And lastly, we need the word of God, the people of God. We also need the spirit of God. We need his spirit. And here's the thing. We can talk all day long about what it looks like to walk the walk and talk the talk, all of that. But here's the thing. If our heart is not open to the things of God, we can do all the different, how do you, how do you, how do you? It really comes down to, do you want to soften and humble your heart to the thing that God is inviting you into? And God talked about it hundreds of years before this. Ezekiel chapter 11 he wants to put a new spirit in you. The power of the Holy Spirit has the ability to transform your heart to a heart of obedience. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 17. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from countries where you've been scattered and I will give you back the land of Israel again. Who is he talking to? He's talking about the nation of Israel that's scattered in the midst of captivity. And he says, I'm gonna bring you back. And when I bring you back, I'm gonna give you the land. I will return to, uh, they, they will return to it, he says, and remove all its vile images Testable idols, I will give them an undivided, what's that next word? Undivided heart and put a new in them. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. They will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. What is Matthew chapter 5? It's Jesus' announcement that says, I'm going to start doing a new thing. And guess what? That new thing is a new heart in my people. 
And it's starting in Matthew chapter 5. And by the way, the next couple weeks, as we continue on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is starting to talk about some significant topics. And guess what? It's going to get uncomfortable, you guys. So get your seatbelts on. Because Jesus is going to start talking about some things that are really tough to hear. But you want to know what he's addressing? The heart. Where is your heart? You might be saying, well, I ain't coming to church the next four weeks if it's that tough. <laughs> you need to be here. As Jesus starts speaking to some really difficult things that 2,000 years ago was difficult, and today we're going, Ooh. where is your heart? Because he's doing a new thing, and he has been. But where is your heart? Where is your heart? As we close out for today, and we think about some of the takeaways and as we get ready for communion, here's what I do know. When we, as God's people, recognize over and over again that Jesus is the perfect king, and then he comes and he models for us this relationship of a father-son relationship that he comes to model and show us what to do because he wants to teach us, he wants to show us, and when we mess up, he says, I will redeem it. I will restore you. When we live that way, which I want you to hear, nowhere in that does it say, when you're perfect. When we live that way as his sons and daughters, as recognizing that we are forgiven by the Father, that he believes in us and he teaches us and he shows us and he models, and when we mess up, he redeems. He's quick to forgive. He's quick to restore you. When we live life that way, it changes not only you, It changes, for those of us that are married, it changes our marriages. It changes how we interact with our children and our grandchildren. It changes how we interact with our neighbor. It changes the way we interact with our boss or our employees. When we walk as Jesus walked, it changes our world, our community, your community. And when God's people walk that way in humility, to recognize it's Jesus that fulfilled everything, that he is the perfect king. We live in a society that does not understand forgiveness. We live in a society that does not understand redemption. We live in a society that doesn't understand who Jesus is. And when we walk, how we've been called to walk, our world is changed and renewed. What Jesus says, my kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in and it's in those moments God says, my rule and reign 
is here in this place. And when we as God's people look around and go, that needs to be redeemed, and that needs to be redeemed, and that needs redeemed, and that has a stronghold of the enemy. And when we see it, and then we attack it with everything we've got, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not So start running towards the brokenness. Start running against towards the stronghold. Start running and bringing salt and light to the world. That's what we're called to. I want to invite you to get ready for communion. And as we get ready to spend time with Jesus. My hope and prayer is that he has spoke to you this morning. And as he's spoken to you during this time of communion, as we get ready to have a meal with him, my hope is that you would have a conversation to, with him about what he's said to you. And that's what really communion is about. And if you would like to take communion and don't have the elements, raise your hand. Like this young man in the front is ready to go for communion. Raise your hand, keep your hand up. And these amazing servants would love to serve you the elements, just a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represents Jesus' body and blood shed for you. And we'll take communion together here as a family in a moment. Let's pray. that Jesus was betrayed and paid a sinner's death he met with his disciples and he broke bread with them and he said this bread represents my body broken for you eat in remembrance of me then he raised a cup of wine and he blessed it and he said this is my blood, which is spilled for you. Drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray.
as we surrender to you. We submit to you. We pledge our allegiance to you because you are the good and perfect king. And so God, as we submit, surrender to you. May we recognize that your way is better than anything else that we could come up on our own. That your way is good. That you are good. And God, may we be a people that always evaluate our minds, our hearts, and what we do according to your word. God, may we surround ourselves with people who think the same way, that are like-minded in that way as your church so that we can show the world what you're like. Forgive us where we fail. Redeem and restore that which is broken. And God, may we walk in peace in all that we do. We love you, Jesus. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship. Count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will.